Greetings, grace and peace to you from the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, even Jesus the Christ. My name is Charles Robinson, and I'm privileged to serve as the senior pastor of the Noonan First United Methodist Church. And these remarks that I would like to share with you today would have been the sermon from this past Sunday, March the 15th, but because of the virus and being closed down here, we were not able to meet. So let me begin now with our scripture verse for today, one verse from Mark chapter 15, and it's verse 34. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're coming up on the halfway point as we continue our journey down the road that leads to Lent. I'm wondering if the halfway point would also be considered the point of no return. This is not a stroll, there's too much at stake. And this is not a run, there's too much to be missed. This is a deliberate walk. And I appreciate the way one of my favorite contemporary poets, Anne Weems, describes this walk. She writes, Those of us who walk along this road do so reluctantly. Lent is not our favorite time of the year. We'd rather be more active, planning and scurrying around. All this is too contemplative to suit us. Besides, we don't know what to do with piousness and prayer. Perhaps we're afraid to have time to think, for thoughts come unbidden. Perhaps we're afraid to face our future, knowing our past. Give us courage, O God, to hear your word and to read our living into it. Give us the trust to know that we are forgiven, and give us the faith to take up our lives and walk. Many of you who have been worshiping with us here since the beginning of the Lenten season will remember that we are using the seven last words or last phrases of Jesus from the cross as mile markers along the way. The first mile marker appeared on Ash Wednesday. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who are they? Are they the Roman soldiers? Are they the religious leaders? Or are our fingerprints on the hammer? The second mile marker came into view two weeks ago. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Our Savior will always hear our cries for mercy, will never forget us, even when we've come to the end of our roads. The third mile marker was approached on last Sunday, really March the 8th. Woman, here's your son, here's your mother. We are all of us, if we choose to be, blood relatives of Jesus, with all the rights, honors, and privileges, and responsibilities thereunto appertaining here and elsewhere. And now for today comes mile marker number four. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was Jesus simply quoting from his prayer book, the book of Psalms? Or was he experiencing complete abandonment by his heavenly Father? In her commentary on Mark's Gospel, Femi Perkins said this, As his death approaches, Jesus prays the opening words of Psalm 22. Scholars disagree over whether readers are intended to supply the entire lament, that is the entire psalm, including the words of confidence and divine vindication toward the end of the psalm, or whether we're to only consider the words that Jesus quoted. In the latter case, Jesus appears to have been abandoned even by God. He is not depicted as a heroic martyr with his eyes firmly fixed on heaven. Instead, Jesus has identified completely with the suffering, righteous of the lament psalm, who cried against God's apparent difference to their plight. In quoting the psalm, Mark distinguishes 
Jesus cry of despair, from the anguished cries of despair that were to be elicited from those who were being crucified. In other words, was Jesus working without a net? Was he completely alone except for a few women, including his mother, and a follower who was closer than a brother? Of course, there were other folks there, religious types, soldiers, curiosity seekers. But as for those who were squarely in Jesus' corner, they could have gathered in a phone booth. Jesus had experienced human abandonment before, and the sixth chapter of John's Gospel is an example that I think of often. Jesus had been teaching and referring to himself as the bread of heaven. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. But a lot of folks had trouble with those words. His many disciples, or many of them, heard it, and they said, This teaching's difficult. Who can accept it? And Jesus replied, Does this offend you? The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For this reason I've told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. And because of this, many of his followers turned their back on him and no longer went about with him. Not completely abandoned, Jesus was at this point, but many of his fair-weather followers had turned their backs and they were gone. And then there was the fateful night of his arrest. At supper, Jesus had predicted abandonment by one of his closest followers. Truly, I tell you, he says, one of you will betray me. After supper, they went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus referenced his coming abandonment. You will all become the sinners because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Then Peter said to him, Though all abandon you, I will never abandon you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples, makes me think of another poem titled Courtyard Scene. Over and over again, we sit in our courtyards, our mouths speaking what our hearts are full of. We do not know Him. Do not, do not, do not know Him, know Him, know Him. Echoes loudly, emphatically filling time and space and heaven and earth. And yet the saddest part is, when the crock crows, we don't have the ears to hear, to hear, to hear, to hear. At least Peter had the ears to hear and the heart to weep. Matthew twenty six fifty six. Then all the disciples deserted him, abandoned him, and fled. As difficult, though, as human abandonment can be, and some of you I know could write a book, abandonment by God is another matter altogether. Have we ever really experienced that or felt that complete absence of God? There were certainly times in the history of the children of Israel, the people of God, when they felt that way. Not long after they left Egypt and had begun that arduous trek through the wilderness to the promised land, God's people began to complain against Moses and Aaron. They were hungry, they were thirsty, they were feeling abandoned and forsaken by God. And saying things like, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. That was the exodus. Later there was the exile. 
Psalm 137, the people were lamenting what had happened to them. By the rivers of Babylon, they cried. There we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps. For there our captors ask for songs, and our tormentors ask for mirth, for laughter, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They felt abandoned, forsaken by God. Their incentive to praise, their incentive to worship was all gone. Jesus uttered the terrible cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? There is a mystery behind that cry that we cannot penetrate. Maybe it was like this. Jesus had taken this life of ours upon him. He had done our work and faced our temptation and borne our trials, as one scholar wrote. He had suffered all that life could bring. He had known the failure of friends, the hatred of foes, the malice of enemies. He had known the most searing pain that life could offer. Up to this moment, Jesus had gone through every experience of life except one. He had never known the consequence of sin. Now, there's one thing sin does. It separates us from God. It puts between us and God a barrier like an unscalable wall. That's the one human experience through which Jesus had never passed because we know he was without sin. It may be that at this moment the experience came upon him, not because he had sinned, but because in order to be completely identified with our broken humanity, he had to go through it. In this terrible, grim, bleak moment, Jesus really and truly identified himself with the sin of us all. Here we have the divine paradox. Jesus knew what it was to be a sinner. And this experience must have been doubly agonizing for Jesus because he had never known what it was like to be separated by this barrier from God. That's why he can understand our situation so well. That's why we never need to fear when we go to him and cry out to him when our sin and brokenness and short-sightedness cuts us off from God because he's gone through it. He can help us as we go through it. There is no depth of human experience that Jesus has not plumbed. Because Jesus experienced such abandonment, we'll never have to. Yea, though we walk sometimes through the valley of the shadow of pain and despair and loneliness, of anxiety and worthlessness and hopelessness, of disease and illness and viruses and grief, We walk through the valley even of the shadow of death and we fear no evil for we have not been abandoned. Jesus walks beside us all the way, will not forsake us, not now. No, not now and not ever. The scholar Femi Perkins once again said, the cross demonstrates divine power identified with the weak. Those who expect God to come and physically throw out the enemy are mistaken. Suffering, cruelty, wars, and their cost in innocent life remain realities of human life. Disciples learn, even in the midst of our present suffering and anxiety and consternation, we learn to find God at work. We're not deterred by the mockery of those who think they have a false hope in God's saving power, or that we have a false hope. We know it's real, though it doesn't always play out exactly how we would like for it to, and and not by our timetable, certainly. In other words, God never said that we could avoid the rough road to the cross and beyond that to Easter. God did promise that we would not have to make the journey alone. 
My God, why, Jesus asked. So no one else will ever have to, God answered. Amen.